Hey, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, goofballs and scumbags, whether you're listening to Certified Lover Boy, too sexy for my show, too sexy for my lip, so sexy it hurts, it's like, or you're listening to Donda, not me, uh, I hope you're watching some soccer, because y'all know what time it is, it's time again for the Football Misfits. Uh, episode 57. I am your host, LV, aka Paper Fronto, aka My Rainy's Black Bottom, aka Buck Nasty. And I am, of course, joined by no other than the one, the only, Mr. Misfits himself, the man who makes it happen. Without him, I don't know where he'd be. Ronnie, Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Shit. <laughs> On um, we're recording during El Salvador Honduras. El Salvador almost scored on us, but it didn't happen. Stay strong, be brave. I need it. And while Ronnie uh stresses out over that match there, I should also mention that we are also joined by the other man who makes it happen. Uh, without him, we'd be a podcast full of liars. Or at least I'd be. The Spence Cyclopedia uh, Britannica, Mr. Spencer Povich. Uh, y'all may know him as Spencer, and most of the time, uh, so do we. Spencer, say it was good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love, peace and love. And, I mean, let's get it right from there. Uh, last week, we talked about a bunch of things that had to do with the transfer saga, mainly Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, just stealing the spotlight as he does. You know he couldn't give Messi a moment of shine. Uh, he said, let me take back the summer real quick. But now the summer's over. We're in September. The weather's getting cooler. The transfer window has closed. August 31st was the date. A uh, few things did happen, and a few things didn't happen. I guess uh, rather than match of the week, shall we dive right into that? Or, Ronnie, do you want to do match of the week as well? Um, did you have a match of the week? Um, if I'm being honest, yeah, but it's kind of boring. I mean, it wasn't the funnest match ever. But... I mean, if I did have to choose a match off the cuff, I mean, of course, I'm going to go with the motherland, the one we'll draw against Canada. If Honduras that. scores right now against El Salvador, that would be my match of the week. Of the week. But um, <laughs> Spain versus Sweden was cool. Yeah. Like, the way the match got started early with both teams scoring within five minutes, and then Spain just not looking like themselves, and then Sweden winning 2-1. I mean, I would consider that a game of the week for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> I think if I picked that, I, I would just keep it pretty simple. England versus Hungary. Uh, it was the ass-whooping express. Goals beat racism, I guess. And uh, Chew, chew, that's, motherfuckers. That's what the English did there. But, yeah, uh, short match of the week, if you want to call it that. Ronnie, you Yeah, we'll talk about stuff. internationals after we talk about the transfer market because, you know, it is closed now. Boom, pow. Okay, uh, I think, well, first things first, We I guess we can start with the big-name things. We predicted last week whether or not Kylian Mbappe would be playing for Real Madrid or whether he'd be staying with Messi and Neymar or whether any of it made sense. It didn't. Uh, but sure enough, we did get some answers just uh, pretty much after we finished recording pod. It's like they know we're recording. just don't want to let us know it beforehand. Come on, y'all, fix it. Um, but keeping things pretty simple, Mbappe will stay the remainder of his contract out. <laughs> I guess he'll go for free in the summertime. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Mbappe locked and loaded with PSG for the remainder of the season. Real Madrid uh, 
allegedly put in a last minute expensive bid uh, worth more than anything I've ever seen and known. I'm not mad at this. But yeah, neither am I. I think uh, ultimately, I'm, I mean, push come to shove, we wanted to see Neymar, uh, Messi, and uh, Mbappe on the same pitch. Uh, obviously, um, we will get to see a lot more of that. And even better, we'll be able to see that in the Champions League when Man City plays PSG in the group stage. So, uh, I mean, if you're keeping up with League 1, you'll get to see that a lot more often. Now, for me, it's on Bean Sports. I might not be watching it. The Backstreets. Hey, hey. No, but. Sponsored, sponsored by the Backstreets. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, Kylian Mbappe is my player. I'm going to get rid of him on my terms. Fuck you and Joe Couch. So, yeah, I'm not really that upset at PSG's move here, even though it is PSG, and I'm not the most fond of them. But, yeah, like Real Madrid is going to bully us to get rid of Mbappe. Please. Yeah, I mean, I guess to break it down, I mean, it really seemed like a pride play, PSG. Um, and we, we had a really nice conversation about this off the pod. But, yeah, the fact that PSG, you know, want to make the name for themselves as power players, saying that, yo, listen, if you, the price is the price. Uh, we ain't going for that old shit that you got. Uh, and we have to pay Monaco, as you mentioned last week. We got to pay Monaco some bread, too. So you really got to kick it out. And if you ain't going to dish out the money that we're expecting, uh, we'll see you next time. Is what it is. We can afford to lose it. I guess I guess they can. But the question did come up in regards to Mbappe. I mean, ultimately, does that constitute as a, a loss for PSG? The fact that they didn't take the money for him and they kept him. And I look at it as no. It's a Qatari subsidiary. They're fine financially. If you're looking at it from like a football POV, this is going to happen anyway. He was going to be in PSG for however long he was going to be there and then go ship himself to Real Madrid where he'll spend the large part of his career. I'm not surprised in the slightest. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that one. I think, and I mean, obviously we spoke about this, but I'm gonna disagree in that. Um, it just seems to me that he did have a choice. I mean, I know that this was his dream uh, to play for Madrid in the white shirt and yada yada yada, and the name of the club, what it means. And, um, I think for the French league and for a French kid born in Paris, playing in Paris, um, it seemed like he had uh, you know a chance to write his destiny and kind of make something of PSG already more than what they are. Obviously, delivering a Champions League for them, I think, in itself would push them up and also push him up. But ultimately, you know, he's going to go to Spain and leave France, which uh, I think in the long run, uh, PSG, you know, will, when all, all is said and done, you know, probably be, you know, end up in, in that legendary club status if they keep up what they're doing, um, whether that means sp buying everybody's best players um, and the Messi's of the world. Um, and just, you know, overall just playing good football. But, yeah, the, the fact that the Real Madrid hold is still as strong as ever, you know, uh, I think, yeah, that's got to that's gotta hurt for the French. Quiz. But, yeah, neither here nor there. Um, uh, like I see someone else somewhere down the line being that player to build that type of legacy. Like Mbappe was going to do what he can for however long he was going to be there. So... Like I said, to be fair, I don't care. Stop in village. He, he knows what I'm talking about. To be fair, I don't care. But that's just. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I do a have a question, though, Ronnie. So, Ooh. like you said, you, uh, the same way with Mbappe and the lore of Madrid, 
would that person that you see down the future have that same allure of PSG or would they just see them as then again another stepping stone to go to the Real Madrid, Barcelona? There's going to be some kid who's going to have that allure for PSG. I see it happening at some point in the future. I think that, yeah, I mean, I... I it was never going to happen with Mbappe. I, I yeah, I think, Ronnie, I, see, I mean, I see where you're coming from in regards to, like, as a kid, you know, even though he's super young, which makes it look weird, but the fact that he's, you know, he's still... He was young enough to see Ronaldo at Madrid and, and, you know, then do the knowledge probably of that history, you know, and his parents and whatnot were big fans of the club, I'm assuming, or just, you know, the game. And Madrid had that stronghold on club football and still does, as we can see. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is weak. Like yeah, it has to be down the line. You know, a young kid who's like watching Mbappe now. But then, you know, then, then it's the question of if he sees Mbappe go to Madrid, does he? You know, it's that kid inspiring, like, oh, Madrid is the place to be. But, yeah, I mean, and even with Messi coming into into France, I mean, there's going to be mad kids that maybe, you know, as hard as it might be to believe, watch not watch soccer or don't keep up as much uh, as youth and maybe be inspired to, like, be great French footballers in France. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have no doubt that the day will come. It's just uh, until then, short-term L, maybe uh, we'll see some long-term changes for PSG, but... As of right now, Madrid, even though they're allegedly piss poke, still have a chokehold on uh, the young guys and whatnot. But. And they're not going to spend a dime in terms of buying him from PSG. So is it really a loss for them? No, I don't think so. Like They'll, they'll sign the pre-contract in January, and come July 1st, 2022, he is in white. Yeah. I mean, there is a caveat. Let's see if... I think Spencer mentioned it. Great point. Great point last week. Um, if he if he plays with Messi and is like, oh my god, this is the best soccer I've ever played. And they do really well and they blow the competition out of the water. They win the Champions League. I mean, maybe does he think, you know what, I'll stay. But even then, it might be a short term thing. But anything can happen between now and then. But Real Madrid broken, still attracting the big guys. I think they got to focus on paying David Alba first. They signed Eduardo Camavinga on deadline day. Yeah, but Eduardo Camavinga, I mean, big signing for Madrid. Uh, I think the, the, the question is, will he be able to break into this midfield, uh, the center midfielder role he plays? Uh, I know they got the old heads there at Madrid, but they played really well in the Champions League last season, made it to the semifinal. And, I mean, just the round before they lost to Chelsea, you know, they did the damn thing against Liverpool. That old midfield of Cruz and uh, Modric still holding in strong, and Kamavinga looks to be somewhere in between that and Casemiro. And I think Casemiro is still as good as, you know, maybe top five in his position in the world at the moment. So uh, it'll be a bit of a struggle for Kamavinga to break in there. But, I mean, he's playing in the white shirt, and maybe if he makes an impact, uh, maybe, you know, in the Copa del Rey, or let's say one of those guys gets injured and maybe makes a name for himself. We shall see. Um, we'll see what Carlo Ancelotti uh, thinks about him. But, uh, good signing for for uh, Madrid, in my opinion. I think that's a really high quality signing for not that much money, considering all the money that they said they they don't have. Is that Camavinga Spence? Yeah, I think he. From everything I've read about him, he seems to have a lot of potential. And for like the last few years, Madrid have been buying up like young kind of starlets, young like potential young kids with potential. So he's he's a part of the crop. With he's I mean the newest purchase, but he was a. They're, they've had this whole transfer plan where they're buying young stars like Vinicius. They had Fed, who, who I believe came from the the academy. They had Rodrigo. They have this young player, Reiner, or playing for Dortmund this year. So they're, they're purchasing up young stars. They had Odegaard for forever. So they're purchasing up young kids with talent, and then hopefully if they 
play into that talent and then can break into the first team, then usually they play pretty well and then they go from there. So I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at it. He's a, seems to have a lot of talent and hopefully he can get a chance to play there at Madrid and hopefully Carlo gives him some time to play and watch him grow. Didn't have the best showing at the Olympics, but uh, neither do most of the young guys over there. He right? wasn't even there. Was he not there? I thought he was in the team. <laughs> he got called up, but Ren didn't release him. Oh, they didn't release him. <laughs> Which is part of the reason why France fucked up at the Olympics. Uh, They're going to do it on Andre Pierre Guignac on his own. They had the old head, and Ren was like, nah, we good. We're going we're gonna to use him for no reason and settle in Madrid. Okay, it's well. As we're talking about Frenchmen, one of the biggest moves on deadline day was Antoine Griezmann going back to Atleti. Boom, pow. For a bargain, that shit was everything must go, always low prices. Uh, Barcelona, obviously, as we know, <laughs> the other Spanish giant who's allegedly broke as hell, uh, got, got rid of Antoine Griezmann, who has been eating shit from uh, Barcelona fans since he walked in the door. Yeah, man, the they up. have not liked that man from jump. All the way until he walked out the door, uh, as far as people saying that he's the reason Messi left because they're paying him the wages and uh, he's a piece of shit and whatnot. And, you know, you suck, whatever the case may be. Uh, Barcelona played something over the 100 million euro mark for him way back when. And but yeah, uh, Griezmann back. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Ronnie? Uh, what does this mean for Atleti and, and La Liga and, and Griezmann? Yeah, like you said about his time at Barca. He was never a fit. No one really liked him. I feel like it was going to be a lot worse for the man, even though he did show shades of having a good start of the season. I mean, not Memphis Depay levels, but it was a pretty fair start. But nonetheless, he needed to move. Atletico de Madrid, if they weren't title contenders before the signing, albeit they did sign the likes of Matias Cunha, and Rodrigo de Paul from Udinese, their price went up. They are a much stronger candidate to win La Liga again. They did all the right things. They kept pretty much everybody. You know, Joe Felix is still there. and I still think it's, I guess it might be the wrong move for him. Uh, I actually wouldn't mind seeing him in, at Barcelona. But, uh, yeah, they bring, they bring back their, one of their heroes, and Anton Griezmann, you know, made a name for himself there. And... I mean, I'm assuming he'll get back to his ways there. Got a great relationship with Diego Simeone, uh, the highest paid manager in football, of course. Uh, Luis Suarez, a.k.a. French Toast, is still there. Um, but sticking with them while bringing in Griezmann, did ship out, well, I would say, one of, the, one of their strongest players in the midfield, in, in Saul Miguez. Lord. I said that terribly <laughs> wrong, didn't I? No, I'm just thinking about Chelsea's midfield. Oof, thank God I thought I was saying that wrong. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think the thing that really is discouraging for me, at least being a, a fan of a Premier League club that does much worse business, of course, um, Chelsea just seemed to make all the right moves. The loan terms, I think, were somewhere around 5 million euro or maybe 5 million pounds. Regardless, for a player of that quality just to enter into that midfield, I mean, there's so much potential with him there, and it's like, what else can they do? I mean, well, one, he, he comes in and he's got, he's probably just as good as anybody in the midfield, uh, Jorginho level, the things that he can do. Maybe uh, he's certainly better than Kovacic, in my opinion. Him next to Conte, goodness gracious, it's like Chelsea. This, that, and the third? I mean, 
That's how they do it. Aside from getting Romelu Lukaku for $100 million, I mean, this was pretty much the only other move that they needed to make. They didn't even need to make it. That's the thing. That kills me. They got their only guy. They broke the bank for probably one of the best strikers in the world. And then they get Saul for, you know, the great value uh, prices, you know, market pantry prices. I hope you guys can sense the discouragement, discouragement <laughs> in my voice. That shit hurts to see, but... Like I said with Atleti, this would also shoot up Chelsea's chances of probably winning the Prem, even though the addition of Lukaku probably did that. This is even more. Yeah, um, with, with getting Luka, even before Lukaku, as we spoke about, you know, they were probably favorites. To get Lukaku makes them even more favorites. Yeah, City's move. They didn't get Kane. Didn't get Ronaldo. United did get Ronaldo, but yeah. Chelsea favorites to win the Prem. Um, are they favorites to win the Champions League? I don't know. Um, but if they continue to play the way that they've been playing, and, I mean, a player like Sal will only make things much better for them just in terms of depth and competition-wise, being able to spread their players out. And it just everything works, seems to work out for them. So, yeah, favorites galore. Uh, hate to see it, unless you're a Blues fan. Then I hate to see you. But... Um, I didn't know there. I mean, your yeah, guys did a deal on deadline day too. Emerson and Royal came from Barcelona. Yeah, um, you know, while Barcelona's continuing to have that fire sale, uh, didn't want to give Spurs the fire sale price though. Thirty million for Emerson Royal, young right back who never really got the chance uh, over at Barcelona. You know, he did a swap deal over there with uh, with Barca. It, it was a deal uh, with uh, Barca and Real Betis to split the transfer fee from over Brazil. And uh, he spent two years over at Betis. And I think this was the season, allegedly, that he was supposed to make his start at Barcelona. And it makes sense, you know, due to the fact that they're getting rid of so many players. Although, I mean, Barcelona at, at least isn't short in the right back position. Sergio Dest has been there doing his thing. Um, and then he gets shipped out. Spurs break the bank over him. I wouldn't say break the bank, but they spend a pretty penny off of him. Um, and uh, I think uh, he actually had some words to say about you know leaving Barcelona to the tune of you know he wanted to play at Barca very badly and he felt that this was the chance for him and the time for him and when the time came they shipped him out the door um, I think at the end of the day it ended amicably but he did have some words about uh, not being able to play at Barcelona although he badly wanted to when it was a club of his dreams and this that and the third um, so as a Spurs fan does that make me happy to hear maybe not but also uh, seems nice. Uh, seems that he has a chip on his shoulder, and hopefully uh, he shows out and proves out because we could definitely use a competent right back. Yeah, I think he'll have a, a good go of it at Spurs. Um, like oh, he never really got the shot at Barcelona, but he did at Real Betis, and he did a quite a good job there. We 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 can't forget Real Betis is one of the better non-big three sides in La Liga. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and I mean. Coming into Spurs, he does have some connections as far as chemistry goes. He played with Gio Lo Celso uh, over at Batiste for a little bit. Um, he is Brazilian, so Lucas Moura is going to give him that treatment as he did with Carlos Vinicius. And, you know, try to maybe teach him a bit of English if he doesn't already know it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's in good company. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, he's been highly rated for a, a bit. Uh, obviously, player played for Barcelona and, I mean, has shown some real quality. Uh, from what I've heard and read um, over the past week, so I, I mean I'm happy about it. If you, you know, best things 
best case scenario, he balls out. Worst case scenario, we have Jeff and Tim Gander. Sticking with Spurs for just a quick second, and on the right back conversation, Spurs finally figuring out a way to get out, get rid of uh, Serge Aurier, uh, as well as Musa Sissoko. Uh, Aurier's contract terminated with Spurs after they came to a mutual agreement to terminate the contract. Lord knows where he's going to go, but it, it has been heard, and there's been rumors that he's been trying to leave for quite some time. You might remember Serge Aurier leaving at halftime during a match when Jose Mourinho was in charge. Just halftime getting subbed out, getting his car, and driving home. <laughs> he took getting subbed out quite literally. Uh, but yeah, contract is terminated. Moussa Sissoko, however, switched to Watford, which Spurs played just before the international break. Um, so that's some Spurs into the transfer window business. Uh, I guess to round it up, I was sticking in North London. Arsenal. Continuing to spend some bread and continuing to get some shit for it on the internet after spending close to a hundred and some million uh, euro this uh, transfer window as from what uh, Spur, uh, from what Arsenal fans will say was necessary business. Obviously getting a backup keeper in Aaron Ramsdale um, and then getting uh, Martin Odegaard back from Real Madrid who probably with the Kamavinga signing wouldn't get a chance on that team uh, or, or wouldn't dare to take a chance on that team. On deadline, they actually signed a Spurs prospect, Takahiro Tomoyasu, who, as we know, showed out at the Olympics for Japan this summer. Uh, yeah, man, I thought he was really going to join Spurs, but, you know, Arsenal. Yeah, it goes to Arsenal, the right back slash RCB slash RWB. I guess he does it all on the right side there. From Bologna, uh, it's interesting because uh, it seems Emerson Royale was actually an Arsenal prospect for some time. And obviously, Tomiyasu was a, a Spurs prospect this summer at the very least, as long as we know. And uh, yeah, um, I guess it was opposite day for the transfers as either uh, either man respectively went to the club that I guess wasn't necessarily looking his way. Uh, am I missing anybody in terms of any big transfers? Um, just Barcelona filling the green void with Luke de Jong. Uh, hey, Sevilla man. Yeah, um, Daniel James going from Manchester United to Leeds, which opened up the number 21 to give Edison <laughs> Cavani, who then in turn opened up the number seven. Opened up uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Absolutely. Uh, we, I mean, uh, I think we could assume that as soon as Ronaldo came through, despite whatever we may have heard of, like, oh, yeah, you know, respect this, and I don't, you know, it's okay, the number, jersey, whatever. Uh, I would assume that he walked into the locker room like, yo, Cavani, you know that's my shirt, right? But take that shit off. And uh, yeah, Man United obliged and said, yo, let's make it a win-win. Daniel James, get out of here. Uh, sent his ass to Leeds, which in my opinion, I think is a pretty good signing for him. I let think him so, him. too. Yeah, let him play some Bielsa ball, get him extra fit and, you know, slot in there, you know, a pretty decent winger slash midfielder when he gets the opportunity to play and probably get much more time over at Leeds. And yeah, let's see what Bielsa can do and fit him in the side there alongside you know, the mother folks, the Stuart Dallas's of the world and Patrick Bamford's and, you know, Luke Aylins and whatnot. But, yeah, I think overall good signing for Leeds there. And uh, I think everybody's happy. Cavani gets the 21. It's been a long time since we saw him wear that on the club level at the very least. Like, that's deadline day. But the transfer window as a whole, this was one that was insane. Obviously, the big fish, Messi and Ronaldo, moving from the clubs. Gigi Donnarumma dipping from AC Milan. Thing We all thought, this man wasn't going to have a club. 
he shot on the Euros and PSG swooped in for the men's. Of course, we mentioned Lukaku. Atleti was busy this summer. Man City got Jack Grealish, Hakimi Zola, PSG, and so many more transfers in this window. Yeah, how would you describe the window? Yeah, I think crazy is, is I mean, that's the closest thing I guess I can think of. Uh, to wake up, you know, once when it's all said and done and kind of just take it all in of what happened. Uh, at the beginning of the summer and before the Euros, I mean, the only thing that seemed certain for me as a Spurs fan was that there's going to be some Harry Kane drama. Uh, never did I see Messi and Ronaldo and Lukaku uh, moving all in the same transfer window. Um, Ronaldo coming back to the Premier League was one that I definitely didn't see coming. Uh, very pleasant surprise for me. I mean, obviously I'm not a Man United fan, but just to be excited to see what He'll do in the, you know, the, on the biggest stage, I think, maybe the most competitive league at this this season. So really hyped for that. I'm happy that it, he didn't go to City. I feel like that would have been overkill. At United, it seems like there's still a shot. Um, but, I mean, I feel like he can make a bigger impact there. And if he does make a huge impact and they win something, it just makes him look even better. And I think at City would have been an absolute, you know, un- it just would have been unfair. But, um, yeah, not, not to beat around the bush and to get to the point. Transfer window was A1. It kept us entertained the entire summer, the down weeks when there was less footy on, even though there was pretty much soccer on all summer long, which I can appreciate. But, yeah, absolutely entertaining. 10 out of 10 stuff. Would definitely watch it again if it was a movie in theaters. So We got another one of these in a couple of months. We sure do. And uh, there are, you know, there are already whisperings of things that could happen. You mentioned Mbappe. Uh, probably signing paperwork already in January to leave the following summer on the free transfer. There's been rumblings of Harry Kane, uh, people trying to decrypt his message on uh, the social medias, as <laughs> apparently seems to be the the you know the mo now for players. Uh, him saying that he's staying at Spurs this summer. Fam, the summer's over. <laughs> what do you mean by that? So uh, you know maybe he just it was just some uh, you know it's some kind of semantics that people are just trying to mincing mincing words here, but. Uh, maybe he leaves in January. Maybe he gets a bid from City again. Uh, maybe Daniel Levy says, no, you ain't going nowhere as the US MNT just scored against Canada at World Cup qualifier. Brendan Aronson, another summer transfer, going to RB Salisbury, and he's been shuffing it up in Austria. No, I got to say, the way you tied that together, Ronnie, that was A1. Absolutely <laughs> incredible. I mean, that's why you're missing Misfits. But... Yeah, the, uh, the tra- I mean, the transfer window is quiet for now, but in the modern-day game, when is it ever really quiet? There's been there's deals that are made or seem to be made as soon as the window closes. So, um, you know. By the way, I just lied to y'all. He moved in January 21. <laughs> Listen, I'll still give you the credit because you tied that shit together so swiftly. Jeez. Hey, man, I appreciate it. But, yes, the transfer window was crazy. January, hope it. Advises a lot more storylines, and then next summer, it's gonna be the Mbappe window. It's gonna be the one Holland might move from Dortmund, which teams might trigger that release clause. Um, Harry Kane might zero might go, like you said. We shall see when we get there. Um, so yeah, a, a wild window. No club footy this week, but we did have some internationals, and yeah, you want to get into the wild scenes in Sao Paulo hours before we started recording. Absolutely. I mean, I just didn't see it coming. Uh, we go in to watch the, the match. 
hoping for some competition. We got Brazil, we got Argentina, classic fixture. And um, instead, we get match suspended as we scramble to figure out why. Uh, COVID? COVID. They say COVID. And uh, for uh, Argentinian players, they play in the Premier League. Uh, Emmy Martinez of Aston Villa, Emmy Bendia also of Aston Villa, Christian Romero of Spurs, and then Giovanni Lo Celso also of Spurs. Um, all of which, I guess, did not quarantine when they were allegedly supposed to, according to the Brazilian FA or whatever the case may be. For that reason, they had to suspend the match due to a violation of uh, the rules um, set by the Brazilian FA. Uh, the match was suspended in the sixth minute, I believe. Yeah, very early on in the game, um, a Brazilian health official comes on like, wait, wait, wait. These guys came from England. They got a quarantine. Not the health officials, goddammit. Pulled up and shut the party down. Uh, Neymar wearing the fat suit looked a little confused. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked confused, as Ronnie will tell you, seeing Hulk on TV. Um, <laughs> what is this man doing playing? Uh, shows you how short of a squad Brazil were in. Yeah, because Brazil couldn't let um, their Premier League players into the country because, you know, they didn't want to let them go, the Premier League. And yeah. they're probably going to receive some type of sanction from FIFA or something because it's the international window. You got to let go of your guys. Um, like you said, like they're being selfish about it. I feel like this could be a bit of petty towards the Premier League. Like, listen, if our Premier League players can't play on this in this game, y'all can't either. Yeah, and Argentina just happened to be the victims of it. Yeah, um, I think you right. Right there, you hit it on the head. The first thing that came to mind for me was, ooh, petty. Um, all these Premier League players, I mean, you have to assume that it came from the rulings that not only uh, the Premier League uh, called out for, but a bunch of other federations, club federations in Europe uh, explained that, you know, red listed players, they're encouraging players not to go to red listed countries. Um, and um, it seemed as if Brazil wanted some smoke with that and went ahead and, you know, suspended the match off of the strength of that. And I think... Argentina getting the collateral damage was just another bonus uh, for the Brazilians, if I'm looking into the cynicism of it, the petty of it all. Um, but, yeah, it happened, and match was suspended. Uh, the players were on the pitch. Well, the Brazilian players were on the pitch all the way up until halftime, uh, just booting the ball around, talking shit to the referees. They had a whole open training session. Like, they brought out the um, substitute goal and stuff like that. Like, they were just having a little kickabout. Meanwhile, yeah, the Brazilian government are trying to get those four Argentines deported. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely ridiculous scenes there. Um, Argentinian players we saw, yeah, I mean, leave the pitch soon after from what I, from what I saw. Um, and it, just, it was just a weird situation. Um, not like, you know, other situations we've seen where matches have been suspended due to anything else. You know, the Christian Eriksen situation comes to mind. Um you know, in the Champions League the season past with uh, racist abuse allegations come to mind. Those were kind of swiftly, you know, all right, suspended, everybody's out. And there was nobody on the pitch after maybe 10 or so minutes. But these folks are just chilling. They ain't got nothing going on. Maybe assuming that things will change or whatever the case may be. Um, so the lack, it, it just, it, what's weird is how serious the Brazilian FA took this COVID situation. And then, like, how not serious they were about the players, like, if they wanted to follow protocols, shouldn't they get everybody out of there? I mean, shouldn't people start to quarantine? 
you know, I mean, so it just looked like a bit of wishy-washy there uh, and a whole lot of petty. So, I mean, yeah, yeah the, the theme here looks like uh, some pettiness. Yeah, so um, it's entirely petty in my opinion, like, as Canada just scored a goal. So the Argentines, those four Argentines in question, struck deals with Spurs and Aston Villa to be released during this window. And then I heard reports that, oh, they'll be quarantining in Croatia. They'll also be training there before going back into England and going right back into, like, games with their clubs. The responses to this I'm seeing from Twitter have been kind of appalling. People like, oh, how dare you go away from your club for international duty? We pay your wages. Is Argentina going to pay your wages during your quarantine? Well, it's international football. They're playing for their country. They want to continue that momentum. They just won off Copa America. Like, it was just so appalling. One guy on Twitter said something about Buendia, who'd barely even sniff of the game time against Venezuela. Some of the lines of why would he represent Argentina? Um, someone perfectly said, Buendia has been on Villa for like five minutes, whereas he's been Argentine his whole life. <laughs> perfect point. That's a perfect point. Yeah, I mean, everybody's acting in self-interest. Right. And, and I literally said last week, Martinez would be one of the players who wouldn't make such the trip, and he did. But I'm not mad at this, but this is just a wild situation. I don't know. The match is still suspended. Not sure what's going to happen in this qualifier. Again, World Cup qualifier. And if I could be conspiratorial or whatever the fuck. Again, this is coming in England. If it were the English national team being affected, if it were Harry Kane or whatever, if it were Jack Grealish or Jordan Henderson, would would they be singing the same song? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, what works best for me may not work best for you. And I'm gonna be mad when it work when it doesn't work for me and it does work for you, or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, a whole lot of bullshit, a whole lot of pettiness. But yeah, Brazil getting getting grimy. Um, but overall, ugly situation. Uh, not to take away from all the other shit that happened uh, during the World Cup qualifiers. A lot of good matches um, came on. Since we're in South America, I do want to mention real quick the Venezuela game against Argentina. I spoke about it briefly earlier. Argentina wins that game 3-1. Lionel Messi was damn near assaulted by a Venezuelan. Disgusting. Disgusting tackle. Terrible tackle could have ended any player's career. Could have ended Messi's career. Um, Adrian Martinez, who came into the game to replace a player not even 10 minutes ago, gets sent off for that tackle. Horrendous. But Argentina wins that game 3-1. Brazil also won that game in Neymar fat ass gate. Um, yeah, those teams are gonna probably be one, two. Which order? We'll see. Before we get to Europe, in my confederation, the Concacaf, I mentioned Honduras and Canada drew one one. Um, Honduras picked up another draw today. During this here podcast against El Salvador, they're on two points. Mexico at the moment, are the only team to win both of their World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF. They defeated Jamaica 2-1 in Estadio Azteca. And they beat Costa Rica 1-0. Killer Navas was integral of keeping that scoreline as is. But it could have been a lot more for Mexico if it weren't for Killer Navas. Orbelin Pineda scoring off the penalty. Um, Panama defeated Jamaica today. 
USA drew El Salvador in El Salvador, and it's currently one all against Canada. Now, I'm going to root for my guys, Honduras. They'll make the World Cup, hopefully. And, um, yeah, over to UEFA. Yes, sir. Oh, and I, how could I forget if we had a match of the week? Um, Portugal, Ireland. This is on Wednesday, September the 1st. And for the most part, for the better part of about 80 or so minutes, the game wasn't that fun to watch. Portugal did field I mean, most of their big dogs. Cristiano Ronaldo was there starting up top. Diogo Jota uh, was available. Uh, Bernardo Ireland, Silva, they got a lead, though. Yes. As John Egan took the lead for um, Ireland early, well, just before the uh, – the halftime whistle blew. I mean, this was kind of the Shane Duffy show. He was kind of running, running the midfield there, and Portugal didn't really have an answer for the guy, which you, never, you don't really say that often. But the game would not be over without some Cristiano Ronaldo magic um, as he was on par or on course to break the international goal-scoring record that was held at that moment by Ali Day of Iran. Late on in the match, Cristiano Ronaldo talking about yeah, Pavel Nedved saying I'm not fit. That was bullshit. Um, Clearly. As he, as he bursted in the box in the 86th minute for a powerful header. Bow! Game's tied one all. And the, uh, Ireland was like, yeah, we knew that wasn't going to last that long. Um, although they did hold on pretty firm for the most part. And it wasn't over there, ladies and gentlemen. As in the 90th minute. The 90 plus 5, I should mention, just in the dying seconds of the match, the exact same scenario, ball crossed in the box. Cristiano Ronaldo, bow, makes it two as he breaks the world international goal scoring record and breaks the hearts of Irish fans everywhere. Wins the game for Portugal 2-1 in the last breaths of the match. And, I mean, this wouldn't be complete without a bit of VAR drama just to make sure he was on sides before the goal went in. Sure enough, he was. Sure enough, the shirt came on. He was like, look at the pectorals. Y'all see the pectorals? I'm sure the Irish did there. Uh, absolute wonderful game. And for me, for a guy who doesn't necessarily uh, go crazy for the International World Cup qualifying fixtures or what have you, I mean, that was a match to, that was a match to enjoy on, on Wednesday. And it wasn't the only match throughout the weekend. No, Italy, they were in action. They drew Bulgaria 1-1. Um, the bright spot in this game was Italy's goal scored by Federico Chiesa, who is still lights out for the Atsuri. This man is becoming a household name on the national team. He's becoming a household name on Juventus, if he it hasn't been already, is to me. But it remained 1-1 against Bulgaria in Florence. Today, they played Switzerland, and that match ended scoreless. Jorginho missed the penalty. Hopskip and Alipi on summer knew his trend, and he stopped it, went to his left, and that was it. Lorenzo Insigne had himself some chances as well. Despite the scoreless draw in Basel, Italy broke the record for most matches unbeaten at 36 beating brazil and spain at 35. yeah some young summer magic kept the, this the swiss in there and uh italy as a whole man really really promising record big shouts out to them there for that one there um elsewhere we did see france play bosnia and herzegovina match ended in a one-all draw as the, a red card was shown to jewel kunde who didn't go to chelsea thank god 
Um, and we, as we saw Anton Green. Got a taco by um, Kunde as well, by the way. Yeah, a little <laughs> bullshit there on that one. Um, as we saw Anton Griezmann get a goal, continuing his good form for France. And then, of course, old-ass Eden Dzeko, still scoring for Bosnia, still doing the damn thing there. Match ended 1-1 uh, between France and Bosnia. Um, that result repeated against the Ukraine in Kiev. Shaparenko scored for the Ukrainians, and Anthony Martial, of all people, scored France's goal, 1-1 there as well. France have been on a bit of a slow decline. Is this cause for concern? Um, honestly, yeah. I mean, is something to consider? Didier Deschamps is, you know, has he sort of taken his foot off the gas in terms of being a manager? Are the players not necessarily listening to him as much? We saw the bickering going on during the Euro. Uh, we saw the Rabiot drama. We saw the Giroud Mbappe. Oh, your mama. When your mom and Brambio. So, you know, we, we saw things of that nature. And, you know, it just brings back shades of 2010 France team. You know, when there's drama, it definitely seems to affect their play on the pitch, even though they, quality-wise, they might be leaps and bounds ahead of most people uh, or most teams. So, yeah, definitely something to be concerned about. Didier Deschamps will most certainly keep the gig until the end of the – until at least after the World Cup. But, uh, yeah, they got to get it together if they want to be considered – you know, favorites to defend their their World Cup, as we saw, they weren't able to do a France '98 2000 at the Euro this past summer. So yeah, France got to get it together before Italy smokes their boots. Speaking yeah. of smoking boots, Germany did pretty much that and then some uh, to Armenia on uh, today, recording on Sunday. Winning. <laughs> Can we acknowledge the fact that Armenia led the group coming into this game? <laughs> <laughs> Germany said, nah, give me that. Uh, Sergei Nabry started the scoring in the sixth minute, doubled the lead, doubled his own lead in the 15th. Marco Royce wanted a bit of the action, got a goal just before the halftime, as did Timo Werner. Not something you see often nowadays, eh? Uh, before <laughs> Jonas Hoffman added to that tally, making it 4-0 in the 52nd minute, and Karim Adeyemi, the 90-plus first, said, Armenia, fuck out of here with that. Now, Armenia are on 10 points. Crazy. Armenia is as crazy as it sounds. They might make it to the playoff round of World Cup qualifying for next March. They certainly are in the driver's seat um, to do so. I mean, this win that this Germany win over them today literally just gave them, yeah, like as you mentioned, pole position in the group. Armenia were, you know, sitting pretty for a little bit there, um, but they do have a wonderful chance. We we saw North Macedonia make some magic. To get into the uh, Euros this past summer, um, but and they beat Armenia, Germany in a World Cup qualifier back in March. Facts. Uh, so if the fighting Goran Pandevs can hold it down and maybe get some points together in the next couple of group stage matches, they'll need a, a few. But yeah, Armenia definitely in the driver's seat to 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 get into the at least the playoffs. Three team fight in Group G between Turkey, the Netherlands, and Norway. Ooh. And. On Tuesday, the Netherlands and Turkey will play again. Definitely one to look forward to in a week, I'll be honest. A lot of shit going on that I don't necessarily care about. That big, heavy Norway versus Gibraltar game. Woohoo! Wonder what channel that's going to be on. ESPN Plus. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Ronnie. I will be yeah. busy. <laughs> but they, Turkey and the Netherlands met on the first match day of World Cup qualifying. Turkey won that game 4-2, two, 
remember Barack Ilmaz had himself a show. And the Netherlands, since that defeat, have been pretty consistent. They won against Latvia, Gibraltar, of course. They drew Norway earlier this window, and they beat Montenegro for nothing. Again, it's Montenegro. Is it, is it that simple to say the winner of this game wins the group? Um, I'll, I'll definitely take that. I wouldn't be mad at it. Now, I think both Netherlands and Turkey definitely have some work cut out for them. Um, whether or not they make the World Cup, because they, well, Turkey specifically, did not show up at all in the Euros. Uh, really embarrassing showing for them there. Netherlands did show some promise, but they showed even more promise by getting rid of Frank de Boer. Um, so hopefully let's go, Aaron, for Frank de Boer's departure. <laughs> Louis van Hall is back. <laughs> yes, sir. And so maybe he can uh, restore some of the feeling uh, for them there. Obviously, we have a Memphis Depay doing the damn thing. That man's form recently has been on fire. He moved to Barcelona with clearly with some plans because he didn't care whether Messi was there or not. He was going to be the main man. Um, maybe not if Messi was there, but he definitely was going to be better than Anton Griezmann, which he's clearly shown in these first couple of um, La Liga matches. And the same sort of form for, for the Dutch national team. We uh, also, obviously, they've got Gigi Wijnaldum, who just moved to Paris. A great player. And then obviously the man who splashed on the scene in the Euros, Denzel Dumfries, just made his move into Milan. And I mean, as long as they, they got those guys and maybe Louis Van, Van Hall can do a, a bit better than Frank DeBoer, I'm sure he can. Um, they'll mm -hmm. definitely have something to say about that. I got Netherlands over Turkey because, as I mentioned, Turkey did not give me anything to root for them about uh, watching them in that Euros there. They was looking like some... Whew. So those pretty much are the headlines in European World Cup qualifying. I did notice in Asian World Cup qualifying, Japan fell to Oman 1-0. Ooh. Not often we see Japan on the losing end to a team like Oman, but it's the first match of the third round of qualifiers. The same Japan that watched Mongolia 14-0, and then they gave Myanmar the same smoke 10-0. That is a wild score. Oh, my goodness. 24 goals in two matches in March. Jeez. Their next match is against China. We'll see how that goes. But October is not going to be easy. They have Saudi Arabia and Australia. Um, Japan are into the World Cup. I just realized, I just noticed that result was worth talking about. Yeah, that's nasty. Oh, my goodness. You want to give uh, a shout to Ghana, Spence? Early days, early days, but they got to win another game. But early days in World Cup qualifying. Hopefully we can get back to that beautiful tournament. But early days, early days. Such a beautiful tournament. Air, air horns for early days. Listen, I'm living through y'all, man. I'm, uh, you know, my home team ain't, ain't made it nowhere. Ain't making it nowhere no time soon. So, you know, it's Gonduras. That's me. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Um, Ghana beat <laughs> Ethiopia 1-0. So they are top the group. Their match is tomorrow. It might have happened if you're listening to it late against South Africa in Johannesburg. Big match there. Um, I'm confident Ghana will go on to the next round of World Cup qualifying. Algeria, of course, they're a team to look out for, the reigning African champions. Um, after Italy, they have the second longest active streak without a loss. 8-0 winners against Djibouti, and they have Burkina Faso on 
Tuesday. Um, apart from that, you got Tunisia on top of their group, as is Nigeria and Cameroon, and uh, more Salah less Egypt. But yeah, and this is also good warm up games for Afcon coming up in January. Boom, where you will see all your favorite players in the Premier League gone for a period of time. If the Premier left. League wants to release them. Facts. We can see some more petty there. Um, but should they leave, will your club last? Do they have enough depth? Mine don't. Neither here, neither. Premier League's going to be like, you don't really need the AFCON, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Oof, nasty. Call me that if I'm Egyptian. Smack the dog shit out of the Premier League. Yeesh. Bullshit, yeah. if, you, if you will. Oof. You know what? That just reminds me, actually. Is it that time? <laughs> I believe it is that time. Um, I have a couple. Um, no, it's not Virgil Van Dyke pushing the fan away, by the way, which was funny. Um, oh man, he said, "Back the fuck up off me, bitch! What's wrong with you?" You're in my airspace. Yeah. Um. Before I begin this, I want to preface this by saying shouts to the people at the Did Someone Say Soccer podcast, who I found this on their Instagram story, and I had to share this on this podcast. So, <laughs> LV, you're familiar with the MLS team I have a personal vendetta against, right? We're thinking Midwest. Oh, Cincinnati. Ugly-ass city. God damn it. Normal Roxy Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the higher-ups at FC Cincinnati is called Amir Shimoni. He is the vice president of marketing and consumer products at FC Cincinnati. Or was. Because per the Did Someone Say Soccer podcast, they put up a link to an article. The headline of the article is as follows. <clears throat> 21 rescued in Kentucky human trafficking sting, dozens from Cincinnati area charged. Huh? Yes. This man was a part of a human trafficking sting in Kentucky. What <laughs> is going on in the Midwest? Goodness gracious. Amir Shimoni, 39, Hamilton County, on a charge of solicitation of prostitution. Oh, um, there's a joke in here somewhere that I'm not going to say. Yeah, it's, human trafficking is a no-go. Whether you are a vice president of a football club or a Joe Schmo, the club, they've been on the hush-hush about it. They quietly removed the man's name from the staff directory. No mention of this incident whatsoever. I found this out, and yeah, that was one of my BS's of the week. Um, it's not the prettiest, but it's FC Cincinnati, so I'll make it count. Um, I'll give my other one, which is a bit more lighthearted. But before I do, you have anything, Ovi? I sure do. Um, as I do my weekly binges on uh, British football uh, talk shows uh, during the week, specifically Talk Sport, the to most toxic football show maybe ever. Um, I've been uh, I've been checking out uh, their debates, and they sometimes will have some callers call in, uh, speak on topics, and give some opinions, if you will. Some opinions are better than others. Um, 
One opinion specifically uh, had to do during the international break after England uh, beat Hungary 4-0, quite the ass whooping. Everybody and their mama scored. Declan Rice had beer uh, during the match. So did Jack Grealish. Uh, Raheem Sterling said, hold that, you suckers. Kane scored as well. Um, now, an England, uh, an England fan, British guy, drinks his tea at 4 p.m., um, explained that he was also an Everton fan. And the bias here uh, showed out, if you will. But when he explained that great match, great result, great performance, uh, that Harry Kane guy, though, missed a bunch of chances. If it was Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he says, and I quote, he would have had a hat trick. And then he went on to say that Dominic Calvert-Lewin will score more goals than Harry Kane. Whether or not he goes to Man City, um, he believes that. <laughs> I can't even get it out. Uh, basically saying that Dominic Calvert-Lewin over Harry Kane. And uh, to which point I paused it myself and said, fam, what is this guy smoking? Uh, it's the same Dominic Calvert-Lewin who can't get uh, Mr. Rick Charlson, a.k.a. Kyle Kuzma, off of his back over at Everton. Um, so, yeah, my BS of the week comes to uh, a fan with a poor opinion. Uh, an Everton fan, I should say, specifically with a poor opinion. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, not there yet. He's got to deal with Patrick Bamford and Mason Greenwood, not Harry Kane. BS of the week, Everton fans. <laughs> <laughs> a specific Everton fan. There goes Everton making another appearance on BS of the Week. <laughs> They're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go back to the transfer window to wrap up BS of the Week. Um, we saw a lot of transfers, especially on deadline day. We also we spoke about the Griezmann loan and then Saul Ninguez loan which occurred at 11.59 p.m. before the transfer window shut. That's not BS. I mean, it is, but it isn't for my, for, for my purposes. It goes to whoever was wrong in this situation between Eintracht Frankfurt and Lazio. Apparently, Eintracht Frankfurt had to defend themselves because Lazio are claiming that the German outfit sent them a wrong email address in terms of the transfer of Philip Kostic, who doesn't want to be at Frankfurt anymore, and he even said so himself. So the issue here is they forgot a letter in the email address, specifically the letter K. While the email is supposed to be at eintrachtfrankfurt.de, instead it was eintrachtfrankfurt.de. Frankfurt. <laughs> Frankfurt has fought hard like no we put the K in the email why would we misspell our name intentionally the sporting director for Lazio said that they would have liked to have signed Philip Kostic and whether or not they would sign Kostic in the January transfer window like yeah, I don't think so so Kostic will stay at the Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt Albeit he did say he wanted to move out, but he did um, beg for forgiveness. And yeah, a clerical error forced this man to stay in Bundesliga when he could have moved to Serie A, moved to Lazio. It would have been a big signing for them. 
And reportedly, they were looking at around about a 25 million euro deal. Yeah, whoever responsible for this mishap gets BS of the week. If it was Lazio who typed out the email address instead of copying and pasting it, BS to them. If it was Frankfurt who intentionally forgot the K in their name, BS to them. Um, Philip Kostic, you're in the middle of this. I don't know how this pertains to you, but BS to you, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, BS to you for saying you don't want to be there and, you know, having to swallow your pride and say, oh, I'm sorry. But, yeah. Wild situation on transfer deadline day. A transfer that did not happen. BS of the week. Oof. Lazio, another one. Uh, even though they didn't really do anything this time. Uh, another team. <laughs> actually, no. Uh, but another team that seems to end up in our BS of the week often. Yeah, man. If it's not for signing the heirs of former Italian dictators, <laughs> it's for oh. transfer fuck-ups. Facts. Ask the U.S. and Canada end their match in a one-all draw, and it's perfect timing, right, Alvi? Love to see it. Now, before, uh, you know, Greg Berhalter uh, says we're going to uh, bring it home or whatever the U.S. chant is for that. Uh, I believe that we will win. Bald fraud. There you go. Before that, they believe they will win. Make you two bald men look bad, I'm saying. Get hey, that man out your bald men tribe. Not claiming them. Nope, him and do Anthony, not. Him, him and Anthony Martial. Take them back. <laughs> my receipt. Now, before any other men choose to be bald, Ronnie, would you please sign us off? <laughs> Rats, all these spoiled my plan all along. So, yes. <laughs> a bit of a shorter episode this time around, but it is the international break. So, you know, potatoes, potatoes, but we are still here for you guys. Thank you all for listening to episode 57. You know where to find us. Instagram at Footy Misfits. We appreciate you all for listening and interacting with us. For LV and Spencer, I go by the name of Ronnie. We'll see you on episode 58, which is right around the corner. Until then, stay strong, be brave, peace and blessings. Adios, everyone. Woo! Kanye. Hard,